the second Sunday of Lent, we're given this transfiguration passage kind of forward in the story a little bit. This is, where, where is Jesus and where are his disciples at this point? They're on their way. He's about to begin his way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, where he does the great work of salvation. So why does he reveal himself to his disciples? He reveals his glory, his divinity. His divinity, through his humanity, to be able to help his closest friends endure what is going to be happening. Endure what's going to be happening. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to do hand-to-hand combat with death, to conquer death. He's going to suffer. He's going to suffer. And his closest friends, who do not participate in that work of conquering death, They don't take that on their own shoulders. They are going to be watching their friends suffer. That experience of watching their friends suffer would be overwhelming. So he's strengthening them by revealing the deepest parts of his life, his divinity, and his perfect humanity, so that they can experience peace and stability in front of the impending trial. And why is Jesus going to conquer death? Why is he doing that? Because death is the experience in our humanity that comes from sin, from that first sin of Adam and Eve. How do we experience that death before our own physical death? We experience it often. And one way I'd like to summarize how we experience that death is this. It's related to what the Lord said to Adam right before he created Eve. And that applies to her equally. It is not good that he is alone. It is not good that she is alone. It's not good that you're alone. The experience of death here below, before we die physically, is that perception or that understanding that we are alone. That we are alone. That's the experience of death. And it's ramified in our own experience, through our own actions, that judgment that we're alone, by taking on death itself onto our own shoulders. That we have to fix everything. We have to protect ourselves from everything. We have to do everything. In other words, what's related to the experience of being alone and what kind of reinforces that deadly lie is lack of trust. Lack of trust. It's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Am I alone and therefore I have to only trust myself? Or do I trust myself and therefore I reinforce my belief that I'm alone? Nonetheless, it's an experience that we all have, whether it's in our work week, the difficult family situation, with the death of a loved one. It could be anything. We have these experiences of death, of not trusting, of not trusting. And that's precisely what the Lord is going to want to conquer. 
The Lord is looking to conquer that experience of death called lack of trust so that we see that we are not alone and we do not have to carry that burden on our shoulders. And he does, and he has this experience with his disciples to prepare them to trust him, to trust even though they're going to be going through the darkest moment of human history, which is the death of God, that even then God is more powerful and he will conquer. He is a good king. How is our own experience of this death of lack of trust conquered? How is this judgment that we have that we're alone conquered? Conquered in the most beautiful and human way. It's by the experience of encounter, the same experience that the disciples had on the mountain of the Transfiguration, Mount Tabor. An encounter with him. And what I want to call out about an encounter is that it's not abstract. It's not abstract. How do we know it's not abstract? I want to focus on one line from this gospel for the rest of this homily. It's this line from Peter. Lord, it is good that we are here. It's good that we are here. Think about that line in our own hearts where we've said that before. Maybe it was a family dinner. Maybe it was meeting a new friend. Maybe it was being affirmed in some workplace situation. There's this silent voice that speaks in our heart. It is good that I am here. It's good that I'm here. And what that's related to is a person or people. It's related to a person or people. The only time we really say, it is good that I am here, is when I'm with someone, when I'm with someone, or I perceive someone's presence. For example, we could say this, for example, when we're on a hike, we see something beautiful, we come up to the crest of the hill, and we see the beautiful mountain, and we're struck with gratitude, but that gratitude speaks of a presence. But normally we say, it is good that I am here because of someone or some people. Therefore, it's not abstract. We don't sit in front of Netflix and say, it is good that I am here. <laughs> That's not an experience. You know, we could say, we see that we got a raise and, say, and it might say, I'm glad I got a raise. I can do more things. But we're not saying in our heart, it's good that I am here. Because still, there's something more that we're looking for in that moment. The only times we say that word is when there's a presence. So this encounter, therefore, that I'm trying to highlight is personal. We cannot think an encounter with God is a proposition that we affirm. The encounter with Jesus, with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, is always personal. And how is it personal? How do we know that it's personal? How do we encounter this, this personal experience? When we see, when we see that this person this call, this revelation, corresponds to my deepest need to know that I am not alone. To know that I'm not alone. And that I'm actually even affirmed and preferred. 
that it's, I hear a voice silently in the background saying, it is good that you exist and you're with me. When we hear those words, all of our original desires get inflamed and erupt out of us, and it changes our humanity. It's the experience of falling in love. We don't fall in love, for example, with Bernoulli's principle. We don't fall in love with some physics equation. We don't fall in love with these abstract principles. We only fall in love with someone. Only someone's love impacting us changes us. Think about it this way. Whenever you fell in love, all of your circumstances in your existence took on a new light. The job you hated was suddenly bearable and even enjoyable because you were thinking about that person. You saw their face in your heart. Even the suffering you were going through became a new experience because you knew that you were always going to be returning to that face. Falling in love with someone, having their love shown to you, given to you, revealed to you, changes you, changes your whole life. And so it is with Peter here. What did he feel when Jesus revealed his divinity? Love. That's why he says it is good that we are here, because he felt love, love and fulfillment. So how can we experience, how do we know this experience even deeper in our life? How do we know that we're encountering the Lord? What I want to propose to you is that the encounter with the Lord is actually very simple and very easy, as it were. Simple and easy. It happens more often than you not. Remember that line from Jesus, see, hear, see that I'm knocking at your door. In other words, he's always close. He's always close. Searching for you. Knocking at the door of your heart. Wanting you. Wanting you to see him and his glory and his love. The first thing that we want to point out about Peter's experience, and that's actually also our own, is this. The exceptionality. Now, obviously, Jesus himself revealing his divinity is what would be defined as an exceptional experience. But for ourselves, we may think to ourselves, well, I'm, I haven't gone to any mountain lately and Jesus has revealed himself in this way. How do I know exceptionality is happening? Exceptionality happens when you meet someone, another Christian, and there is something in you that erupts. How is it Look at this person. What they say to me, how they are with me, corresponds to that deepest need to know that I am loved. When I have that erupt out of me, there's an exceptional experience happening because it corresponds, it resonates with my deepest need. The third thing is this, it, and this is one of the harder ones to acknowledge, actually, is wonder. Wonder. Allowing an experience of encounter to strike up wonder in me. What does wonder sound like? How are they that way? What is in them? To be able to ask the question, is there another voice speaking through this person's face? 
I would say, yes, it's Jesus speaking. And then lastly, there's a responsibility in front of that. What's the responsibility? It's not the responsibility of trusting yourself, of taking up the cross, the deadly cross, of having to overcome that feeling that you are alone. No. The responsibility is just saying yes. Yes. It's you, Lord. You are speaking. You are speaking. The reason I go into this process of highlighting this is simply this. What we're talking about is this grace. The power of God coming to us in our very common, normal circumstances in relationship with each other, relationship with the sacraments, relationship with Jesus through his church as a whole. We have this encounter happening to us all the time. He's constantly knocking at your door and my door to see him. And it corresponds to your human heart. Grace fulfills and transcends. The power of God fulfills the human heart and transcends it, but does not destroy or leave it unfulfilled. He actually helps you understand that he is knocking at your door and speaking to you and wanting to have an encounter with you when you feel more humanly alive. Your nature is fulfilled in an encounter with Jesus because that trust and that, that lack of trust and that death is undone. You feel more human when you can trust and you know that you're not alone. So the last thing I want to point out is this. How can I ask for this? It's simple. Literally asking. Literally begging for this. Jesus is not going to hold out on you. He's not stingy. He wants to give you all of himself. Why would he reveal himself in this way to Peter if he did not want to do this in a similar method in your existence? Like, I'm, I'm being dead serious. Jesus actually wants you to experience the intensity of his love the way Peter did. He is not going to hold out on you. And what it takes in us is a simple responsibility of saying, yes, Lord, I want that. And honesty with ourselves. I don't want to see the, myself as alone anymore. I want to be fulfilled. I want love. I want love. I want you. And what does he give in that when we ask? An ability to see him. Faith is an ability to see his presence, to see him present. And furthermore, the experience of having that death undone in us by trusting our whole life to him. Faith is an ability to see and to entrust our whole life. Faith is the gift that he gives that undoes our death. That undoes our death. So my friends, what I just want to be able to put in front of us today as a proposal is this, is we're, we're in Lent. The purpose of Lent is to have an encounter with Jesus in this way to ask for something new, to ask for this death to be undone again in us. All we need to do is to say, Lord, please, I need this. I need, I need you. 
So what I'd like to ask you to do is when you're receiving communion or receiving a blessing, when you're receiving him in his divinity and his humanity, the Mount Tabor experience that looks like a little mountain, Lord, I want you to undo the death in me. Undo death in me. Because when we see the Lord loving us, we will be free. Free because we trust. Free because we're not alone. Trusting and knowing that we're not alone and that we're loved is the whole point of why he came. It's the only thing he wants to do is to save us.